0: Welcome to this podcast about Hilton Head Island and the Low Country. I am Jay, your host, and today we are learning about the creation of Palmetto Dunes. Developer and former longtime resident of Hilton Head, E.G. Robinson, will share the story of creating this popular residential and resort destination as we travel down 278 to Lighthouse Road. E.G. Robinson was 25 years old when he came to Hilton Head as part of a group destined to start Palmetto Dunes on what was then called the North Carolina Hunt Club The planned development led to clashing egos, intense competition, and eventually agreed upon common interests that would allow Hilton Head to become the tourist mecca it is. E.G. went on to a long career in real estate in Palmetto Dunes, as well as founding E.G. Robinson Real Estate Brokers. E.G., welcome to the show.
1: Jay, good afternoon. Thank you very much for your call and your inquiry. When
0: did you discover Hilton Head and how were you introduced to Charles Frazier?
1: Oh, Jay, it was wonderful. I I was a young young married guy my wife and I had just moved to Charleston uh, we had had a son uh, so therefore we had a young family uh, I was looking. I was from a very small town so I was looking for the opportunity that came upon me with some with uh, some uh, some bankers they uh, were in Charleston it was called Carolina National Banking Investment company, and uh, I was there working under the auspices of the of the uh, uh, real estate banking uh, world, and it was quite interesting. I had a I, I had a, a delightful guru, his name was Eddie Buck, and he was in charge of making money for the investment company. Now the word got out, and so consequently we were. You know, it, it, in contact with a lot of different folks, residential homes, but no commercial, primarily all residential areas. However, we were all golfers and we received an invitation, myself and a, a couple of other friends there in Charleston received an invitation to go down to Hilton Head Island and play golf on their new golf course. Well, we'd all heard about it, but none of us had been down. And consequently, uh, the the, uh, the golf pro there at, at uh, Wallace Palmer, there at CPANs, had contacted the South Carolina Golf Association and had arranged what we call a weekend trip or one-day golf tournament. In this particular case, would be available to do a weekend uh, stay. So, we all got together, uh, uh, my two friends and I and our wives, and we we, uh, we made reservations at the William Hilton Inn, which had just been completed, which sits at the front door of the Sea Pines Plantation. It's into the, the open area of, of South Forest Beach. And so consequently, here we were, the weekend going to Hilton Head. And we did, and it was outstanding. We, we went down and played this new golf course to way able to ride with us in the golf cart, we got to see all the beautiful vegetation and the the animals and everything that went together to make this wonderful new golf course community called Sea Pines. And it was by far an outstanding weekend. A few details I may add to you in that that you had asked was um, uh, we all, of course, had heard of Charles Frazier being the developer of Hilton Head Island and particularly Sea Pines. And so consequently, we were at dinner that first night in the William Hilton Inn. And consequently, this had attracted, or I'm going to say, somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 uh, golfers from throughout the state that were all members of the, of the golfers for South Carolina Golf Association. And there we were in Charles Frazier. Mr. Frazier was making his rounds through the dining room and the, the bar. We were all having great times talking about the golf and what was going on and seeing old friends as well. So it was a real good you know, collection of fun. And Charles came by and, and introduced himself, and moved on. So, you know, taking questions. He uh, uh, kind of, as we say in the in the bar business, he was holding he was holding court. <laughs> 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 you know, okay, telling us all about the future of Sea Pines. And with him, of course, was Wallace Palmer, his PGA pro, who had had designed the the golf shop. It was called the Tiki Hut, and it was a Polynesian design. It had the Upgoing roof I don't know what You would call it Other than the fact It was a, I called it The flower top it was, It's like a, a Big beautiful flower On the roof itself It it went up And then underneath You walk in the pro shop And here you were Just surrounded With, with golf equipment To buy Pictures of course Of the Of the community Of uh, the different Events that you could have uh, In the golf shop And in the area As far as, as Playing golf Or just Basically enjoying looking around and seeing the community. Tell
0: us about the William Hilton Inn and, and what that was like.
1: The William Hilton Inn was really the first, to my knowledge, was the first uh, uh, hotel motel, basically designed, uh, on the island along with one right up the street by the what was called the Adventure Inn. And the William Hilton Inn and the Adventure Inn were both, of course, not side by side, but close. And the idea was that they would... They would be available for tourist stays and this type of thing. The William Hilton Inn was Charles Frazier's go-to, create a wonderful oceanfront hotel-type community. However, it was to provide housing for those to come and see Hilton Head and see the go- different golf courses. And And he, of course, chose that spot to be the beginning of, uh, of your sea Pine street. It was great white glove restaurant as we called it back in those days. The, uh, the bar was uh, just full of, of uh, good music and jazz and folks would come and, and you know and have cocktails before dinner and then go into the dining room and and just have a wonderful uh, 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 meal. It was It was quite nice and quite well uh, kept. you were pampered. And it was ready for golf. It was ready for Hilton Head golf to go down and play.
0: At the time, you were the program manager at the Charleston Exchange Club. And after your introduction to Charles, you invited him to speak to your membership. Tell us what happened.
1: Yes, indeed. It was uh, It was some a couple of weeks after our visit in the golf. I, uh, of course, had, had Charles had given me his business card and I gave him a call and to tell him a couple of things. I said, number one, uh, Charles, we just had such a great time. The event was perfect. The, the, the weather was outstanding. Everything would fit the bill for a weekend with the ladies uh, being entertained as well. And consequently, um, we, we were... Please. He was accepting that, and and out of the clear blue, I just said to him as a as a gesture, I said, uh, "Charles, I'm. I said I'm the, the program chairman for the Exchange Club here in Charleston. Would you consider coming and being a guest speaker?" And he potted a moment, and he said, "Well, yes." He said, um, uh, "One one or two conditions." I said, "Whatever you would like to." To uh, suggest would be great. I said, we would love to hear about Hilton Head Island itself. And of course, the the golf that you're doing in Sea Pines. And he said, fine. However, I would bring my own agenda. And I said, oh, yes, sir. I said that would be that would be appropriate, and I gave him the time dates that we had available. You know, which was actually like once once a month we had the guest speaker. So here here I was, ex- all excited, of course, having Charles come down and talk, and and he was wonderful, and he got up on the stage, Jay, and uh, and I, as I introduced him, of course, and I had I had verified with him and got his approval for his uh, his introductory, and of course, being the the Harvard law graduate. Uh, being a business school uh, uh, student as well and what he was doing fell right in line with Charleston itself having been noted as where the first game of golf was played in the United States was in Charleston, South Carolina and that of course was a wonderful history state and there was some great golf courses there in charleston we remember all all the young guys we were members of the charleston country club and we had wonderful events there everything was great and so charles stood up and he was talking about golf he was talking about the the, the wonders of resort lifestyle And everyone's excited about it. And the idea would be that you come to his resort. You come to Hilton Head Island and to Sea Pines, and you have all of these wonderful things. You can fish, and you can sunbathe, and you can enjoy uh, boating. You can, you know, play golf. You can play tennis. you're, You're totally encompassed by all of the wonderful things to do on a resort holiday. Which was really nice, and so everybody was, you know, really excited about it. And here came the close. Charles says, "Let me inform you, here in Charleston, that you are, and uh, as recognized by history, some historians, it was concluded that it was played in Charleston, the first game of golf, the first golf course." In the United States, in Charleston, South Carolina. And he says, You've done nothing about it. You have not enjoyed the relationship that your forefathers created. So he says, I'm going to take it away from you. I'm going to go to Hill, I'm going to be at Hilton Head, and I am going to introduce the heritage of golf. We will make everybody realize South Carolina. Charleston and Hilton Head are where Goff originated. And this is what we will do to allow you, of course, to enjoy yourself. Well, everybody was dumbfounded, Jay. We came in and said, what's What's? What's going on here? What's he talking about? That heritage of golf." Charles left. It was a wonderful love. Uh, Hour and a half, you know, luncheon and conversation. Everything was fine, and everybody went back to business, and things were going good. Well, you know, no one paid much attention to it at all until uh, about about six six seven months later. Uh, in one in one of the golf magazines, here came a big announcement that the golf course, the Ocean Course at Sea Pines Plantation. Would wanted to do a golf tournament. And the golf tournament, it would be known as the Heritage. And it would explore the fact that golf was there in South Carolina, and here the Heritage of Golf is being founded, you know, in this opportunity of a PGA golf tournament on Hilton Head Island.
0: Charles took the golf thing so seriously that he actually came and acquired the charter for Harleston green and it hangs in the clubhouse mm-hmm. down in Harbor I understand. Yes. Was that a, was that a surprise to you folks that that even existed and that he came and took it?
1: Yes. And Charles had to, had to qualify with the PGA. And it, during that six or seven months, or, or prior to, he he had those folks come down and, and qualify, and consequently the heritage proof uh, was exactly that, and he uh, and he did have it as had established is still there today, of course, and 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 that began. And Charleston really did rebuttal or didn't didn't dispute what he was doing because it, he had been so. Um, so complete and make it happen.
0: Moving forward a little bit, what was your father's reaction when you told him you were leaving your position uh-huh. as a bank vice president to join William Gregory and his group and start Palmetto Dunes?
1: Oh, <laughs> Uh, that's quite a story, Jay. My dad was a, just a wonderful businessman. He he believed in working every day. Um, he had it uh, was self self motivated, and and he had uh, he, he had a, an AM radio station he developed. He, uh, he 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 took the the hospital that we had in my little small hometown. When the government built us a new hospital, he took the old one and turned it into a nursing home. So he was quite a quite an innovator. And here I am in the, you know, in the in the uh, banking business in Charleston, uh, with a wonderful career ahead of me. And I said, "Dad, won't believe it. I got this great opportunity to go down to, to, to Hilton Head." And he said, "What? Hilton Head? You mean where all the mosquitoes and the snakes live? You going down that?" leave charleston south carolina and go to, to hilton head island my word son he said that's that's going to the jungle <laughs> so he, he didn't uh he, he didn't he, he didn't really have a, a great deal of, of motivation for me he did eventually of course gave me his blessings after he came down and took a look at everything and saw where peg and i and edward our son would be living uh it was kind of like you know Proof of the pudding.
0: Who is James C. Self, and what significance does he hold in the history of Sea Pines?
1: Well, after after I had accepted uh, the, the opportunity to go down and work with, with Bill Gregory and Johnny Bill, being our founder of Palmetto Dunes, and Johnny White being his close friend and, and basically a sister, John and I were fraternity brothers in college. So that's how I got involved, and here we were going down there remember again that bill and and, and johnny both were from greenwood south carolina which is the home of uh, mr self mr self was it from the beginning in my mind the the first investor for charles Fraser. he was a an industrialist who had self mills with the home base in Greenwood, South Carolina, and had other locations throughout the United States, primarily the Southeast, that, of course, had self-mills in the form of, of making cotton. Uh, using, using that, of course, is a, is a cloth base for all of the uh, manufacturers. Uh, Mr. Self, I do not know how he and Charles Frazier became involved, but Mr. Self and his family chose Charles to, like you say, help him further the resort business, and uh, he became Mr. Self became the first investor, which of course was the money to build the lots and the golf courses, uh, and particularly the ocean course. As a, as like you say, as a property owner and founder, and in return for his for his investment, Mr. Fraser, and this information was provided to me by uh, Mr. Self's son, James C. Self Jr., Jimmy. Who was my age, and we were we were golfing friends and him being from Greenwood, of course, I knew through John White and Bill Gregory. So we had the understanding that Mr. Self had done this and that he was quite a a celebrated, successful industrialist and businessman, and he was taking his money and placing it in a questionable, uh, resort community. It hadn't been founded yet. It hadn't been the thing to do. Well, if he could do it, gosh, someone else could as well. So we were following the lead of Charles and the folks from Greenwood became, uh, 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 eight people from Greenwood became investors in Palmetto Dunes to follow, again, a resort community concept that was being set by Charles Fraser.
0: There is a Road in sea Pines, a very well used road in sea Pines, that is actually named after Mister Self. Which road is that?
1: Greenwood Drive is the, one of the main main drive, the main entry artery, as we call them in the business, and there and. Uh, uh, through the years, some other things were named in, in for Mister South and for the family and for the business. But Greenwood Drive and Greenwood Villas uh, were, were originally built uh, condominiums uh, to to further the development of seapine.
0: That is a great tribute to somebody that helped Mister Fraser really get Seapine started.
1: Yes, indeed, and 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 so influential. Uh, like he said, with, with other folks, with, the, with, with some of his friends from Greenwood uh, and, of course, with Bill Gregory getting that idea. He said, Mr. Self likes this thing. I'm going to jump on, on the bandwagon. He said, this is really going to be great. And so consequently, Palmetto Dunes was developed uh, was was put together. The Palmetto Dunes Development Corporation uh, was put together, basically, in, in those founding ideas and thoughts. Let's move on to Palmetto Dunes.
0: When closing on the property in Atlanta, who was in the reception area when you came out?
1: It was it was uh, just amazing. Walked out of the room, everybody excited for, for the closing. And who was sitting there with the secretary, briefcase in hand with money, was Charles Fraser. And again, Mr. Fraser was right there monitoring every move we made. As I had said before, he he was in hopes, of course, to uh, us not to get it. He didn't want anybody to get it and to get that property, that wonderful thousand acres uh, with three miles of ocean front for Palmetto Dunes, and uh, consequently. He was there to, to, to pick up where if we dropped off, uh, it was wonderful. He, he of course, was always a great, great mentor to me and provided a great deal of instruction and help for, for our, with Bill Gregory and John White, our entire board. It was just uh, a, a magnificent, you know day and that that made it even better we we t- assured him that we would follow his lead even though he he was not the owner and uh he stormed out <laughs> as he normally does but uh but it worked it worked well down you know down in time down the road it, it worked well it really
0: did. By 1969, you and two other partners had started the process of developing Palmetto Dunes. Tell us about the property you wanted to buy and what happened when Frazier found out you were working on that project.
1: This was early. This was was actually uh, late 67, 6, 1968. And consequently, uh, Bill Gregory had put his group together. We We had at that time I was the reason they contacted me is what they wanted funding we'll try to get financing you know to build the roads and the water and sewer treatment plant and those infrastructures that have to have to be done with the developer dollars so I'm out hustling around trying to find the money you know from from different people I being a developer banker so to speak and we we had not done this before I had not done this before I'd handle residential but not you know a commercial development so uh, a commercial loan for development on that basis but uh palmetto dunes was formed like like you said again by bill gregory there and the 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 sellers north carolina hunt club was the name of 12 individual gentlemen there were many many more but they were the original founders of the of the hunt club it was 1800 acres Uh, sitting in the middle of Hilton Head, had three miles of oceanfront, and had a mile and a quarter back on the internal waterway of Hilton Head Island, which is called Broad Creek. This was a beautiful piece of property, uh, like say a hunting club, but a beautiful piece of property in the eyes of the 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 development, and consequently, this is why Bill Gregory he had 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 a wonderful business. Jay he at that particular time had been president of the South Carolina Chamber of Commerce uh, members, so to speak, and uh, he was had had talked to so many people about Hilton Head and had been. You know, you know, been influenced on that basis. So consequently, here we go. We're putting everything together. We had no money, basically, to do the, the infrastructure. We finally found a bank and in, uh, investment company in Atlanta, Georgia, that, that loaned us $2.4 million to buy the land and move forward. But we needed additional money, of course, to do the infrastructure itself. And so that's where the investor dollars came from. So we were building Uh, The roads and the water and the master plan had to be totally complete and had to to, uh, encompass all of the the wonderful things to make the project self-sustaining itself. Bill was contacted by a friend at NC State, and he was introduced to a professor of architecture by the name of Lewis Clark. Uh, Professor Clark was uh, in charge of the architectural school, and and they and they were aware and had studied C. Pines and Charles Fraser's master plan, and consequently, Mister Gregory got them of all things to do was to do a class project of a master plan for Palmerston. So here we are with with Professor Lewis Clark putting together the master plan. Uh, That, of course, uh, Sea Pines had done so well from, uh, you know, from their original master plan and how how wonderful it was diverse in setting up all a lifestyle from resort properties right on to uh, retirement permanent living. All the way through, they came to us on the basis of saying, "We know you have to have golf. We know you have to have tennis. We know you have to have those sporting events that are good and be prepared for." And he said, "We we in Palmetto Dunes uh, architecturally have a, a significant problem in that you have an internal wetland in your fifteen hundred acre basic site with the three miles of ocean front. If you can imagine that, almost like a rectangle and." Consequently, the center of it contained a wetland that came from the community next door, which, of course, was where the ocean came in and formed this inlet uh, at Folly Beach. And the inlet flowed in and through Palmetto Dunes. Very light, very slow, but it was following, of course, the wetland area itself, which basically was about 50% of the Palmetto Dunes center master plan. And this was, you know, 100 yards wide. Jay, it was a a big wetland. They got together with uh, a gentleman uh, that uh, Mr. Clark knew, in his architectural world from Sweden, that was developing in those, these foreign countries ways to restructure and recondition erosion caused by ocean change. The oceanographer. Areas that uh, the oceanographer hat that he was wearing says we can rebuild some of these eroded areas and help you regain and reclaim real, real estate, reclaim the property. Well, Mr. Clark said it fit perfect. So here they go putting together the folly from the beach next door involved in the real estate that you cannot use being dredged or uh, in. Of uh, uh, having that uh, wetland enlarged to form a water access, the ocean, uh, of course, was not strong enough to flow through the entire area. So the idea was to connect again, as I'd mentioned to you, Broad Creek, which was the inland waterway of Hilton Head, and we had properties sitting in this uh, on Broad Creek which was a very large uh, 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 tributary from, again, the ocean that was followed through the center of Hilton Head back to the north end. And so consequently, they arranged through the permitting process, et cetera, to connect this lagoon system, the name came out, through the center of Palmetto Dunes onto Folly Beach and Broad Creek primarily to provide water. For that system. The byproduct that Mr. Per Brun was creating was fill. What are you going to do with the fill dirt? This would be the product used to renourish the oceanfront
0: if you walk down the beach today, it's almost impossible to tell where one community stops and the next one begins. But I was wondering if you might be able to paint a picture of what the beach Palmetto Dunes looked like when you bought that property, because it is not anywhere close to what it looked like today.
1: The first time I went and walked on that beach with, with Bill Gregory and Johnny White, they said, come on EG, we're going to show you. And we walked down to where the Dunes house is to day or basically the middle of the three miles, right close to where the Hyatt Hotel was built, etc. And as you walked out, all of a sudden, there it was. It was called, Dr. Broome called it a scarf. It was actually a, a, where the water had washed away, had eroded the, the sand and the fill back into the ocean. And here it was straight down. I mean, it was 12, 15 feet drop it was just completely cut, just like you would take a water hose and, 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 and go through and, and remove that area. It was a complete drop-off, and that was why we had to fill it back up. The ocean was there. Dr. Brune was, was so adamant about it. For example, in his engineering study, it's quite interesting. Dr. Brune used a, I think, I think they call it fluorescent dye, and he put fluorescent dye, a real bright green dye in color, and he put it on the on the top of the sand where we were filling it, and lo and behold, where did that sand wind up? It wound up it down at South Beach, down the sea pines, so that the erosion factor and the and Mother's Nature's uh, uh, currents would actually take it away from us in the middle part of the island and go down five miles or so and deposit it. So it was absolutely amazing how. We were losing and they were building up, but we knew that we that which was good, but we knew that 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 of course had to be corrected, and the only way we could correct it is just replace it. And unfortunately, uh, you know, uh, after twenty five years or so, it eroded away again, and and has been replaced again. So at this, at that point everything to answer your question where one property started and another one ended and another one started it was right there together. The, the beach of course the, the area is owned by the state of South Carolina by the state and controlled by the state. So we were, had their permission and their and their approval to to build it up and make it work, but you could you could not separate individual areas. It had to be a, a constant flow of everything for twelve miles of oceanfront on Hilton Head out, and consequently, ours was roading away. It was going up a little bit at Port Royal was getting the erosion as well. To our, uh, a mile to our north, it started roading away there in uh, at Folly Beach and and north. I mean, uh, Southport Royal Plantation and gather up where we were. And lo and behold, it would wash up down on South Beach. It was wonderful. Mr. Frazier smiled on that one. Dr. Brune says, Pear says, let's use this field to re-nourish your three miles of beach. Jay, he moved with our construction guys, which we we went out and found up in uh, uh, the northeast area, found the dredging guys that dredge ports and they were helping to recast and renourish things to dredge out the wetland, transfer that fill to the ocean front, and renourish the three miles of beach. 1.2 million tons of fill were transferred from the wetland to the beach itself. And some of it was used to build up the area where we have several golf courses. Now, here comes the real benefit. The real benefit is that in addition to golf and tennis and ocean bathing, et cetera, what do you have? You now have waterways. The waterway system itself—it can—it me- it, can, it will meander through the fifteen hundred acres of the rectangle with the three miles of ocean front, and people will now have home sites that will be located on water deep enough to use for boating, kayaking, canoeing, fishing, utilizing again another amenity by natural resource. And how do you control it? How do you maintain it? And Dr. Brune says, by using electric motors only. No gasoline engines will be allowed on boating. And consequently, you will not create disturbing areas that would erode away the landfill, the land side of the lagoon system. So now from a sales standpoint, you've added up another wonderful recreational lifestyle with many benefits to it. And it was, yeah, it was so well accepted. It was so well accepted. The uh, paddle boats, the lagoon boats, all the electric motors came out and the little boats came out. And, I'm, and today, it's just magnificent. It gives people the right, they, they could build a little small dock, not very large, it would, would block the area. But it was doing. And in return, our Golf, several of our golf c- holes are also built along the edge of, of parallel to the waterway system itself of the lagoon, from that filter. So it was, it was really a wonderful natural reclamation.
0: It is a fantastic feature of Palmetto Dunes. You mentioned the golf course in there. One of them is a Arthur Hills course in Palmetto Dunes, and it's recognized as one of the best on the island. Share with us its development. The
1: the first golf course we did was, was, was done by the number one architect at that time, Robert Trent Jones, Sr., and we were fortunate enough to have Mr. Jones take on our challenge. And he developed an 18 hole golf course, like I say, that it came along out to the ocean as well as it, it paralleled the lagoon system. And it is a wonderful family oriented. Golf course itself. Now we needed to get a little bit more competitive, a little more with with Charles, Mr. Frazier. Now having uh, the, the Heritage Golf Tournament and the PGA recognizing the wonderful Heritage Golf Course, the, the Ocean Course, we had to be more competitive. So we had we had design we had a design for our second golf course by George Fazio, and that was under construction. And Mr. Fazio's uh, step uh, grandson, a step son was tom fazio which i'm sure everybody recognizes today and this was at the golf course that tom did most of his understudy with his uncle uh, uncle george and built this golf course as the number two golf course on the lagoon system inland but wasn't quite competitive enough And where could you go to get some competition? Well, now we realize that in the master plan, the land distribution was for a a third golf course. And that golf course needed to be a real challenge to the existing quality of the golf on Hilton Head as well as to the property owner And his nature. There was a gentleman that was being recognized in the competitive golf circles of architectural by the name of Arthur Hills. I was not on the search committee at that particular time because we were doing the the second golf course. So our search committee with with Mr. Uh, Gregory, Bill Gregory, uh, found uh, Arthur Hills and he came to Hilton Head and he uh, says yes. I would like to take a look at it. The, the concept of it was that we needed a golf course that would be private just for the property owners themselves. The two golf courses before uh, would would be open to the public, so to speak, but, but semi-private. But the third golf course would be the real challenge. It would be the real property owner's golf course and be re- the real exclusive course that had quality and challenging of things and and Mr. Uh, Hills agreed to do that. In addition to that, Jay, there, during this time, we <clears throat> we had the the hotel under construction, which is a whole nother story, and we also had a condominium project just north of us, about a mile, uh, called the Allen Club, and the idea was to utilize the public from this is where the public people would come from to play these golf courses that we had originally built the first two. And the third one, of course, would be the, the private course. And now at the Island Club, we had room to do another golf course. Would would Mr. Hills Arthur Hills be interested in doing that one? And yes, he was. And what we did is we wound up with him building the one in Palmetto Dunes as well as the one at Palmetto Hall, a sister project that was on the north end of Hilton Head, adjacent to to our airport. So, consequently, Mr. Hills came and did a wonderful job and has been recognized for the outstanding uh, design.
0: How important was the development of shelter cove to the Palmetto Dunes property and who came up with the Neptune statue idea?
1: Basically it was a byproduct to us to create a course to marina. Now we knew that if that the marinas you know were gonna be nice because Charles was billing Harbor Town. And he had it The lighthouse, of course, is almost finished now He's got is under construction He's got the, 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 the marina has been dredged out And their big lock system has been put in And they're getting ready to start utilizing, of course The entrance and the exit of that We're talking about 68, 67, 68 And so consequently That was exactly when they, he was building We came back and said Hey, we got this 250 acres on Broad Creek here And we're utilizing it to help feed the water you know into our big lagoon system let's do a marina too let's find out if we can do it so again here comes dr Pear brune and dr prune says yes we can that the center of the island which is called broad creek is deep enough and has natural flow of water at high tide to build a marina at Palmetto Dunes, at Shelter Cove, to be able to contain and have the fun of boating, utilization of restaurants and condominiums, utilizing, again, the, the, uh, the tennis concept there, for example, is, is very big. And let that be a alternative recreational benefit. And we were, again, following the lead of Harbor Town. And it worked extremely well. And today is, of course, Harbortown is very, very successful and continues to to have more and more uh, uses with boating. As they, uh, as they protect it. So it was extremely important and gave us the, the what I call the fifth and sixth amenity uh, being, being boating and uh, utilization of Broad Creek for fishing and crabbing and, uh, and making of course a, a community itself that would be wonderful. Here came the residential concept. One of the, the residents on the island, a gentleman by the name of Charlie Bates, Charlie was an architect, had, had graduated from Clemson many years before, not many, but several had been had been uh, uh, experienced in waterway systems and beach, and he had moved to Hilton Head and was living up at Port Royal and was offering, of course, residential concepts for beach houses and, and utilizing, of course, the rise and fall of the tide around the areas for individual homes. And, of course, the, the, the concept of condominiums, which was coming in. So we go to Mr. Bates and say to, to Charlie, hey, Charlie, here's the concept. This is the one that the architectural school has come up with. And they're saying, hey, you can utilize this as a wonderful marina and residential concept area on amenity. Can you help us out? And we need to fix it We so we can sell it and make it, of course, an income a position with with the resort uh sales and lo and behold Charlie did Charlie came up with the the Neptune statue uh, making of course the harbor itself is is in a in a a, a, a bow or a, up, well, a upside down sea i guess you'd say most most uh, like a boat, but it was a, a, a concave or upside down sea that would be set back into the harbor, and the, and the idea of the of the Neptune would be the trademark of that marina, far out of dunes, and let it turn around and be its own little community, such as what Harbortown was being built for. So again, a, uh, a a good trademark, and also a a, a great area to, uh, to 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 build and utilize or boating
0: backing up a little bit in the story you had a great working relationship with charles until you made that very impactful decision to build a hotel at palmetto dunes that did not go over very well with fraser did it
1: oh no no we uh real nice you know warm i say uh, uh, big uh, good business w- working relationship with mr Frazier. I had, uh, had had really begun to study I, I told him I wanted him to be be there you know where we could we could not make any mistakes I said mr Frazier, I said we don't want to make any mistakes with following your lead you know can can you uh, you know give us some help from time to time he said certainly he said this is the good with mr gregory and and mr white myself we were meeting with him and he said "Sure, I said i'll help you fellas out from time to time uh, you know and I said okay fine i'll I'll come and share these these developments with you well uh, mr Gregory had been contacted by some, by some uh, through the the investors from greenwood had been contacted uh, about about the hotel to be built because it's in the master plan and the idea was is it it sits in the what we call the public corridor of Palmetto Dunes. It's, if you can imagine a a tree, uh, with the top being three miles of oceanfront, and the and the stem of the tree, or the base of the tree, coming straight out would be the entrance road into Palmetto Dunes. Each one of the the uh, limbs of the, uh, uh, would be private residential areas. So at the base of the tree, in the middle of the three miles of oceanfront, there sits a hotel. And it was absolutely a beautiful design. It, it was originally designed to have access by the lagoon, and we had good car trips in there, and et cetera. They're private. They're hush-hush because the only thing on Hilton Head The hinted of a hotel, a motel hotel concept was the William Hilton Inn, and at this time, the Adventure Inn. So this would be a much larger hotel that would be up in height, which was a real no-no in Mr. Frazier's development concept. You would never penetrate the height of the trees. You would never go above tree height. You never disturb the, the uh, beautiful uh, vista from homes and from the, from the beach and the golf course by building anything as, a, as what we now call a high rise. So it was designed to do exactly that. Yeah, the hotel was designed 200, 250 rooms to be at that time is much larger today, but two hundred and fifty rooms was designed to you know to be uh, a high rise but under the trees once Mr. Fraser found that he said I could just imagine seeing this huge uh, pedestal sticking up above the trees uh, uh, there was going to be a a hotel a commercial hotel that belongs in New York or Chicago and uh, and, and he became very disturbed about it. Mr. Fray, one of Mr. Frazier's wonderful attributes uh, Jay was that that he in building his administration, his staff, he would, he would use newly um, graduated newly confirmed uh, and educated assistants. As as he called them, uh, to fill his to fill his staff, and and on that he had had two gentlemen that uh, had come to work for him uh, by the name of Mister Jim Light and by the name of Mister Jim Chasing, and consequently they were his assistants the whole bit. So I get the call from from them saying, Hey E.G., uh, we're on a mission. I said, yes, sir. What is that? And He said, we got to find out what's going on. I said, well, uh, come on down. I'll give you a personal tour. I said, I've, I've extended the tour to Mr. Frazier, but he never responded. He said, well, we're responding for him. And down they came and we took the, the tour through the hotel as it was being built under construction and, and, and looked at the master plan for the for the island club. The real key of having those two together, Jay, I might add, is that that the building contractor for the hotel would not come to Hilton Head for just one job. So this is how the birth of the Allen Club became affected. The Allen Club being an oceanfront, uh, five-story condominium project that he also would build. So consequently, the the contractor for the hotel and the Allen Club came to make it uh, 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 work. Now we're uh, again back at the hotel with, with Jim Chaffin and Jim Light. They make their, their things. I, I treat them to the master plan for the Island Club and back, uh, and they are smiling. And back to the Sea Pines area they go with all the information and, and, of course, the interpretations that they have. And and I felt so good about it. I said, everything is just going to be wonderful. Well, it didn't satisfy Mr. Fraser. And lo and behold, coming down next 10 days or so to Mr. Gregory was a letter. And the letter was that we were using the Sea Pines Academy. It wasn't known as that then, it was known as the Sea Montessori School. We were using the, the, the his, his hotel and his restaurants for entertaining our clients, et cetera. And we had our children in the school. And it was, of course, a private school. And he came very nicely in the letter, instructed us to know that we were not community friendly by building these high rises. And consequently, in return, he would be asking, of course, our, uh, our children not to come to their school and for us not to use their a quality restaurants and hotels to entertain our guests. That he was basically um, separating his relationship with us uh, here on Hilton Head. Oh, buddy, you talking about a a, a a flurry? It was just unbelievable.
0: When his general manager caught wind of that, he started to do the math and realized, okay, this is very bad business.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, he said. You know, this is you know, this take was taken away from everything. It's not adding to. And of course our concept is is it yes it does. Our business plan, of course, created the, the two hundred and fifty rooms in in Palmetto Dunes, being that hotel would be absolutely magnificent. And the key now is that it is going to be through the general manager's eyes, a condominium hotel. There had only been one in the United States, and consequently, it was out west. And consequently, we had contacted the marketing developer, an attorney of the condominium hotel, and he had given us a business plan to sell the individual rooms as suites, and that would be a condo. Kind of the Hilton Head be a Palmetto Dunes condominium hotel. People would come to it, and they would would economically uh, spend. Spend their money. Well, the general manager at the hotel uh, had just basically convinced Mister. Frazier and they did that that the money wouldn't be there, that it wouldn't work, and so consequently they wanted to disassociate any any uh, relationship that we had whatsoever.
0: Yeah, the name escapes me at the time, but the general manager basically put a nix on, on the prohibition and said, come spend your money. But what really seemed to turn the relationship back positive was when Jim Light and Jim Chafin came to see what you were doing at the Island Club, and they turned around and they went back to Charles. They had told you on the spot, this is good. This is a, a nice thing that you're doing. and they w- And they went back to Charles and they said, Charles, you don't seem to understand that you have created an economic boom. You have started something that is going to become very, very special on this island. And the folks down the road at Palmetto Dunes and the Island Club essentially are not your enemy. They are, while they may be competitors, they are not your enemy. They are actually collaborators. They are following your lead.
1: This was absolutely it, it, the, the the way the, the way it unfolded, and the way, of course, Charles began to change his approach, to change his mind about about the hotel itself, about the, the Island Club, which, of course, was not in Palmetto Dunes, was further down, of course, uh, in in Folly Fields Beach, uh, and that's exactly right. The exploration and discovery by uh, Jim Light and Jim Chafing of course, was very positive economically. They did say I did uh, provide them with some of our business plan uh, portfolios and and projections, and they agreed. They they agreed that we were dealing with privacy, we were dealing with semi-private, and we were dealing with public use of the properties themselves. And they would be successful, and they would be an economic win-win situation for the entire island.
0: Frazier was very ahead of the curve when it came to responsible development. How do you feel and believe he influenced other developers around Hilton Head and the country?
1: Jay, it it became a time in the 60s. He actually, I don't recall the dates of Mr. Frazier, but late 50s, early 60s, when he, he started his Sea uh, Pines development and development of Hilton Head and it became a go-to follow business model. What can you do? Let's watch him as he builds, as he creates again economic uh, win-win situations, and uh, and he and he and he was doing it primarily for Sea Pines, of course, being thing, but, but but Hilton Head was really what he he wound up creating. He wound up teaching us developers of of Palmetto Dunes, also the developers of, of the north end of the island as well, that we did need to do these, these things beneficially. And and consequently, we did not have that experience, and we were relying on him to provide it for us. And he taught us to use nothing but the, the perfect mind, nothing but the perfect educated golf uh, developer or the golf uh, construction worker, Uh, We had so many wonderful people move to the Island J that became today extended families that that were founders that were in the beginning back in the 60s and the 70s. Those things that have made Hilton Head such a wonderful community today. Your question with regard to to other developers, it set a precedent of number one, private community, number two that the private community could exist because of economic development along with the community. And this had never been done before. All the, all the economic development, the commercialism, has always been kept away from the communities themselves. But in this way, by providing, again, uh, uh, some of the golf courses to accept public at play that brought in that that thing for Palmetto Dunes to have the hotels. It was just wonderful. We, in fact, we built a second hotel some ten years later. But the idea being that overall, uh, Mister Frazier set the railroad, the leading uh, position for any of the real estate developers and future uh, community developers and designers.
0: The Harbortown Lighthouse is obviously the most recognized symbol of Hilton Head. A lot of people don't realize though, there's actually another lighthouse on Hilton Head Island and it resides in Palmetto Dunes. What can you tell us about that lighthouse?
1: Yes, the lighthouse itself by name, uh, because we named that in the master plan, uh, the architects named the area around the lighthouse in history following a a word called Leamington. Leamington was used to classify that portion of the master plan and the Leamington Lighthouse. The lighthouse was built by the federal government back prior to World War II to use as a guiding force for navigation of ships at sea. That were coming out of Savannah and Charleston and and not being able to get into the ship channel. They would utilize that lighthouse there to say, hey, don't come here. You know, you'd see that light blinking. Stay away because we are on land. And concept that Lemington lighthouse became, again, a landmark for us. We did not utilize it such as Charles Frazier's. Uh, utilize his lighthouse because of the location itself in Harbortown. Uh, the Harbortown lighthouse is a a national known symbol today, and uh, consequently is it, it has that history to go with it. But the Leamington lighthouse, built by the the government itself, was was more of a local symbol. It was the second lighthouse on Hilton Head, but it was not one that had uh, a great deal of trademark to it because it was on the golf course in the center of Palmetto Dunes off of the waterway system. Uh, if you understand what I'm talking about, it, it didn't qualify, so to speak. It couldn't. It couldn't feature give the features that Harbortown Lighthouse and Harbortown Marina have.
0: There are some stories about that lighthouse being haunted. Do you? Rem- recall any of those uh, something about maybe the blue lady
1: yeah the blue lady that the the, uh, the ghost themselves came from again safety with ships in other words the ship navigation itself if it found that lighthouse or it was found but if it didn't find that lighthouse then it 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 was in danger however the old stories go that the 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 ghost lived in the lighthouse at Lemington and what they would do is they would help navigate the ships to safety. And the the blue lady was the was the one that was so prompt in taking care of navigation and keeping care of the safety and operating, of course, out of the Leamington Lighthouse. And, of course, she went on to, for years in advance, she advanced on to, to Dolfusky Island, being our largest island to the south, our neighboring island, and uh, where the intercoastal waterway circumvents the, the uh, island, the, the, the coast there, and comes up by Dolfusky and into Hilton Head into the waterway on, on north of us. And the Blue Lady, of course, was a symbol of safety. And there were many, many stories about the Blue Lady uh, bringing families and bringing military ships and, and, and safety uh, through through the waters and through storms and, and uh, hurricane season uh, being, of course, very important. So that was a, a wonderful story that uh, still lives today.
0: Where were you when you heard the news that Charles Frazier had passed and what were your initial thoughts?
1: What a sad time indeed. Uh, That yeah, we lost Mr. Frazier. He, uh, he was, as always, he was working. The concept was that it was such a shock. You asked what the, the after effect was of Mr. Fraser's death. It was it was nationwide. Uh, I mean, it was just unbelievable. I was, at that particular time, I was doing a property up on the Outer Banks of North Carolina called Kennekeek Shores, at which I, uh, when we sold Palmetto Dunes, I stayed there for, for quite a few years. Uh, but then I, I had the opportunity to take my my uh, development skills up to the Outer Banks of North Carolina, and uh, that's where I was, uh, some three hundred miles away from from Hilton Head when when and, and I couldn't get here in time. Um, uh, it was it was uh, to to be. Uh, there with, with the family or with the, all, the, all the friends, I was a little bit late. I missed the, missed the funeral, but uh, I was told that Judge Blott did a magnificent job in being the, his spokesman for Charles and, and for his, his eulogy. Uh, it was, uh, again, a flow of sadness. And of course, uh, a great deal of of uh, loss to the communities, to the families, to that he had created for Palmetto Dunes and all of the the other communities that that. He eventually built and planned such as Amelia Island and Palmas del Mar and in, in, in the south sections, Kiowa, of course, had his original uh, mark on it. Those were the ones that, uh, that, that consequently did that. He, uh,
0: Over the years, you had a tumultuous relationship with Charles Fraser, but in the end became very good friends if you could have one final conversation with him what would it be about and what would your final words to him be
1: oh gosh what a wonderful history to be able to review and go back and and say hey charles thank you so much for you know for helping me and helping helping my friends and my people and helping all of the, the architectural concepts uh, architectural uh, views the, the lifestyle restrictions and covenants to deeds that we that he used to use to protect the property from being not uh, uh, attractive or, or built in and uh, illicit type work. It would be wonderful to say to Charles, you you have touched so many lives. That you have uh, that you have been responsible for so many things. He, he was so kind to me through the years uh, that I would say to him, "Job well done. I, I love the military, and that is the highest honor that a military officer can receive is a job well done. And I share that with Mr. Fraser. He, uh, he by all means had a job well done
0: very wonderful way to to wrap this up eg thank you so much for your time
1: very good i certainly appreciate it jay thank you so much